Welcome to the Pizza and P.E. Podcast, the Triple P, where a group of friends get together each week to eat pizza and discuss P.E. Joining us today is the man, the myth, and the P.E. health legend, Mr. Eric Stern. Since 2007, Eric has served the school district of Palm Beach County as a curriculum administrator for physical health and driver education. Eric is also one of the leading educators by Action for Healthy Kids as a member of the Urban Wellness Coalition. He also serves on numerous executive boards and community coalitions for health and wellness for all. It's awesome. He's done a lot of things. Well, plus he's our, our really good friend. Obviously he's a colleague, but he's also a very close friend of ours. And personally he has helped me um, smooth into the role six years ago of health and PE curriculum specialist. So I can't wait to see and hear all the things that Eric has to say. So thanks for setting this up, Keith and Andrew. I know that you were the one who contacted Eric to make this podcast ha podcast happen. Good job. Boys. Good we got job. connections. You got connections. You got friends. You got friends, boys. So your um, pizza fact of the week, I'm going to show you. See, you can barely see it. Because thin crust pizza is the most popular form of crust worldwide. Thin crust. See, that's what we do up in the Northeast. Thin crust. I don't know about that. I do like the brick oven, which is thin. It could be thin crust. Correct. But your yeah. pizza fact is that it's the most popular form of crust is thin. Not that sure. Chicago stuff that we don't count. The deep thin. dish? Yeah. Huh. Nobody counts that. Well... Do you like your thin crust to be kind of oozing with cheese and have it bend, or do you want it crispy? I like it I crispy. Either way. I like it. I just like thin crust because you can fold it. You know, you can do different things with it, make it, you know, it's just, you could eat more pieces that way. If you're having a contest with your friends, you could eat probably four or five more pizzas, pieces if it's thin and you can fold it. Boom, boom. That, that, that real thick stuff, not so much. Hmm. Too much breading. That's very true. Okay, well, let's get Eric Stern on. I'm so excited to uh, ask him a few questions. Um, so let's bring him on. Mr. Eric Stern. There he is. Are you in the office, Eric? I, I am actually in the I, office. This is the first time in one year back in the office. Wow. Well, you... Well, you just recently had surgery too on your knee. So you had some medical leave off. So this is your first, but you have, has Florida and Palm Beach County schools. You guys have been back in the office for some time though, correct? Um, well, our district office is still closed to employees. I've been oh, okay. um, at a high school since the first week in September, helping out as an administrator um, in our county. Oh, okay. All right. So then you're really like, this is the first time central office for a long time. So you've got the same cubicle that looks like that I work in, cubicle city and central office. It's not these fancy offices that a lot of people think that we share, Eric. <laughs> so principal so, and add that to the list, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, so Eric, you and I both have similar roles. I, uh, well, we both work for a large urban school district. And, you know, I, I said this in the very beginning when we were introducing you as our guest, but you really have helped hold my hand through becoming a PE teacher, health teacher to into the central office role. And 
many people who might be listening to this often wonder what is it, what do we do as a health and PE coordinator or specialist for a large urban school district? What what is our role? What explain what you do in Palm Beach County Schools? Uh, thanks, Kim, and uh, good afternoon to my friends in Charlotte, Mecklenburg, uh, Keith and Andrew and Kim. It's been a long time since we've seen each other in person, and I, I admire and respect the three of you tremendously. And I'm I'm a fold the pizza kind of guy, so I like you know a little grease, a little cheese dripping off, and, and fold it. I'm I'm a New Yorker at heart, so uh, I I could eat pizza every single day. Wow, you know, Kim. Yeah, there you go. You know, our work uh, has done so much behind the scenes. You know, quite often we're, we're not in schools every single day. Um, we're out working with community members. We are working with school board members, leaders, elected officials as needed, um, developing those uh, resources and tools that, that teachers and schools need. Um, we do go to schools as needed, but, you know, quite often we're developing content um, we're working on uh, policies and goals. So a lot of it is is behind the scenes work, but it's work. It's 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 roll your sleeves, tough work. And you, all you're doing is just trying to help and benefit your teachers from day one through the end of the school year. And then you keep moving forward, trying to add on what you've accomplished from the first year to the next year. You always want to increase your workload as best you can, but a lot of it's behind the scenes, Kim's, as you know. So, if somebody was interested in getting our role, because a lot of people always ask me, I don't know if they ask you this, Eric, um, how did you get this job? What does it take to be a coordinator? What are some of the things that you would say? Yeah, I'm asked, I'm asked this question almost every single day. Well, you know, it, it, it starts with, you know, what your, your professional degree is in. You know, I happen to have a, a background in physical education and health education, so that, that's important. Secondly, I, I went back and got my master's in educational leadership, so I, I followed the right track. You know, I went to be a school administrator, and then I went to the district level, so you have to take those steps. But really, it takes being an amazing teacher. You really have to, uh, at your own school, uh, become valued, become respected by your students, your families, your parents, your faculty, your colleagues, the community. I mean, really develop that great reputation. So you start at the teacher level. Uh, and then you need to expand. Like I, I serve in a lot of local uh, boards uh, in Palm Beach County, you know, focus on health and wellness of children. I work with the, the health department and our local health care facilities uh, on weekends, nights. Uh, it takes work. You know, my job is not 8 to 4.30 every day. Some days you're working till seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. You're working on weekends. You're volunteering your time. Um, but you got you have to put the work in. When you put all the work in, things will start lining up for you uh, before you want to apply for a, a coordinator job at a district level. I, I'll say it from day one, you know, work. It doesn't just take local work in your community. It takes work throughout your state and it takes work on national levels as well. But it's work, work and more work. Right. And when you say national and state level, you also refer to like your state association, our national association, be involved, participate. Yeah. So that's great advice. Thank you. No, Kim, you, you said it the best. Like I'll ask teachers, are you a member of your state and national association? And they'll say no. I'm like, well, that's that's one of the first steps you need to do. I've been a member of of, of Shape America or formerly AFERD since 1993, mm -hmm. and I've kept my membership up. And, and I've been members of, of many state associations. But you, you have to be involved. That's right. That's right. Thank you. So, Eric, do you think uh, when you get to central office that you should have um, backgrounds in all three levels or are you OK getting in there with just 
you know, having taught at one level? Keith, that's a fantastic question. And I did not have backgrounds at all three levels. You know, I mainly taught at elementary and middle schools. I taught adaptive PE. Um, and then I went to uh, being a company assistant principal uh, for the city of New York uh, Department of Education. So, and then I went to the district level there. I, I am not a high school expert. I'm gonna be the first one to tell you I'm not a high school expert. And when I had the first opportunity to hire somebody on my team, um, I, I went with a, an amazing high school teacher to fill that void that I couldn't, I couldn't meet. I just didn't have it. Now I can learn content and standards and benchmarks and course descriptions, but I actually never stepped foot in a high school physical education environment teach those kids. So that was something I was definitely missing. So, and that's interesting because, you know, Kim in, in our group, she's had the high school experience. I taught one year of high school, but Andrew and I have been spent most of our careers down at the elementary level. I mean, it's, for me, that's such a fun level. Um, I wouldn't trade that in for anything in the world. And that was coming out of college, you're scared because you want to coach, but then you go down to the elementary level and it's just, it's a joy to be down there for sure. Well, I always said this, I started out elementary, middle and high school. So I did get all three levels, but for everyone that's listening, honestly, the biggest difference between elementary and high school kids is just that high school kids are just taller. I'm serious. They're just taller. That's true. I believe so that. It's just, it's the same relationship building as you do in elementary, as you do in high school. And it's being genuine. That's the thing. High school kids though can, can, can spot a fake hustle, be genuine. <laughs> so, okay. Awesome. And I agree because it is about connections. So, but Eric, you know, when we get to central office, one of the big things that people don't understand is there's a lot of legal stuff that we have to go through. And it's, it's changed so much with having, you know, speakers come into the school, you have to do background checks, they have to do all kinds of stuff. So working in your position, what kind of relationship um, do you have? And what kind of collaboration do you have with the legal department in your school district to make sure that every, every end is covered from that standpoint? Keith, this is a great question, because by developing strong relationships with my legal department and risk management, this has increased the quality of physical education teaching in our district. And what I mean by that is being able to pick up the phone, send an email, walk in someone's office and talk to uh, some of your um, legal representatives, your, your attorneys and the people that oversee risk management, they got to understand that physical education is a content area, that there are standards and benchmarks and goals that teachers need to cover and teach. Uh, there are obje daily objectives, there are, there are lessons. Um, so once the, we were able to show them, hey, this is state approved content materials, we do assessments, here are the do's and don'ts of what should be taking place in a PE classroom. You know, uh, no free play days, uh, using equipment, using the space as needed, put the bleachers away. Um, uh, this has been probably my biggest success in my almost 14 years at district level is working with risk management and legal because they speak physical education language. They speak standards and benchmarks. They understand what takes place. They know that it's not athletics and it's not physical activity and it's not recess. They know that it's quality instruction. So I have risk management and legal come and present as often as I can to my physical education teachers. And sometimes they bring some specific examples of some bad situations that have taken place over time uh, and how we can correct them as teachers. But they have been one of the biggest, They both these groups have been some of the biggest advocates for quality physical education in Palm Beach County. That, that's that's amazing to have them come in and, and show your PE teachers what 
is good, what's right, and what we don't have to want to have to bail you out from, right? Because we do have a whole lot of liability. And you go back to your last little answer about being part of your state and national associations. I know when when you join NC Shape here, you get an extra level of of um, protection legally in case somebody gets hurt in your classroom. So it, it's advantageous to join one of your. As long as you're not the wrongdoing. (laughs) So, but that is really good advice because we have not done that in our large school district, but often I have to give my expert opinion on, do we fight this or do we not fight this, Kim? When it becomes a PE, is it appropriate practice or was it an inappropriate practice? And so there's, it's about 50-50, the ones that I've reviewed, but you've given me something to think about is having our legal and risk management team come to our teacher training. And um, so Keith and Andrew, let's put that on the radar that we're gonna provide that type of training. That's awesome. And I bet you not many people do that, Eric. That's really good advice. That's awesome. Well, Kim, one thing that is very helpful is that when legal um, or risk management requests attendance from professional development training and your agendas, I've been able to go back from accidents that happened five, six, seven years ago that maybe just come to a lawsuit. And they've said, could you pull your attendance from seven years ago? And let's see if these teachers were in attendance. And it's worked both ways. Yes, they were in attendance, so it helped them out. Or no, they weren't in attendance. And it shows them, you know, maybe there's not as strong of a case as they might need. That's awesome. Okay. That's a great nugget of advice right there. And one of the other things you said is you're getting other departments to speak our language. How often do we get that? You know, that they really understand the landscape of PE and health. So that's, that's amazing. So, you know, Eric, how, how have you guys gone about asking for funding and navigating the political landscape when it comes to, you know, just being on the same wavelength or same level as some of these other content areas? And what's, what are some of the successes you've had? You know, and what are some of the challenges you faced? Great question, Andrew. Uh, and it's always a challenge. I'm just going to put that out there. It's always going to be a challenge uh, for, for the elective areas, you know, physical education, music, art, and some of the others. Um, I, I had some very early success from about 2007, 2014. I had a lot of success in writing uh, federal uh, and state grants. I mean, I, I was very lucky to get two federal PEP grants, bringing over $4 million. I got a huge Robert Wood Johnson grant, which allowed me to hire people from the health department. And one of those, my first hiree in 2009, she's actually one of our school board members now who still focuses on health and wellness. Um, so the money was coming in in the beginning pretty consistently for for you know educational tools and resources to, re, to help refine K-5 physical education and 6th to 8th physical education. Um, and then, you know, some of these grants kind of dried up uh, and then you had to shift your focus to, you know, ESSA and Title Title Four dollars. And I have not had some great successes in getting Title Four money, Part A money from our district. Very lim- limited. We're talking about between ten and fifteen thousand dollars per year. Uh, I make asks. I submit proposals. Um, but it's been a challenge, but it's not going to keep me down. I'm going to keep moving forward and, and, and write and ask because you have to be at the table and you have to ask and you have to have a plan. So don't ask without having a plan ready to go because they say, I'll consider that. Well, well, here's the plan. But some of the other successes have been in the community. I've gotten a lot of community organizations to help fund travel for physical education teachers to head to state conferences uh, and even some national conferences. So sometimes it's just, you know, you have a great relationship. You sit in their boards and they say, well, well what can we do to help you? 
you know, and I, I don't always ask for money, but I say, hey, I would love to sponsor if you to sponsor 10 teachers to go to a state conference uh, and with hotel and, and, you know, and travel, here's what it would cost. And that's been very successful over time. That's great. That's excellent. Well, I know that you brought, um, well, every time we see each other at a conference, usually it's the National um, Shape America, Society of Health and Physical Education. But we've also been at the PE Institute where you've been able to bring, like you bring an entourage. But what I always tell our teachers too, it is very difficult. Again, this is another plug to get involved with your state and national association. It is very, 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 <coughs> excuse me, difficult for a top district leader who says yay to the funding or nay to the funding, that if you are a presenter, if you are a presenter at some of those national PE institutes, the national conference, your state conference, it's very hard for them to say no to providing the funding for the hotel, the registration, and for your trip costs. It's very difficult. So whenever we ask, I'm like, teachers, put in a proposal, present, participate. But if you just want to go to go, yes, that's value too. But district leaders, they will shy away from, you know, they're more likely to say yes, because you're representing the district when you do that. And then we make a big deal out of them. They presented. So you have to put yourself out there. A lot of people say, well, I don't get support for my programs. Are you going outside your office? Are you going outside the gymnasium? How are you becoming an active con contributor to your school improvement plan, not just within the four walls of your gymnasium? So it's very hard for someone to say no to a go-getter like that. Kim, can I just add one thing to that? Yeah. So, so we call them PE ambassadors, you know, and um, yeah. and yeah, they have to submit that proposal to present, but they also have to show how is it going to benefit your county. And then, yes, right. we do put them on agenda. We do put them on our agendas to present to other teachers. But to be honest with you, it has to be a standards-based activity because That's right. we, we, just, we just don't allow fun fun games to be uh, modeled and showcased. Um, and we've, you know, we've gone through a rigorous process to, to uh -huh. our teachers know that, that if they're going to go to a conference um, and present, it has to be a standards-based, uh, you know, presentation. I love it. So does that mean like if somebody in your district is wanting to present somewhere, do they have to come to you and say, hey, can you look this over before I submit the proposal so that they get your approval to make sure that they're doing Palm Beach County, you know, a, a justice? It's it's highly encouraged. Um, some have slipped through the cracks and got on the state, you know, presentation for the state conference. Um, and then I will we'll go through it and see if it's a value to our teachers locally. But um, yeah, it's, it's recommended. Our teachers know that uh, it's not that I'm the end all be all, but they know what I'm looking for in lessons and content. So let's go into that about the appropriate inappropriate practices. You and I have shared many stories together and how to build teacher capacity, right? And for them to create and be mindful of those standards aligned type of lessons. So we give tons of resources, instructional materials, um, but we're noticing, you and I have had this conversation, you know, just through text messaging over the last two weeks. We have noticed a large amount of inappropriate posts on social media that you and I both have said, wow, there's a lot of work to do in, in, our, in our profession. 
we have some great, great examples. But then when we're reading some of these inappropriate comments about, let's just go there, the dodgeball, the using exercise as punishment, where you know teachers have actually said online, have them do wall squats and push-ups, and that will make them learn. That will change their behavior real fast. So what are your thoughts on that? And how do you handle that if you see that um, occurring in your school district? This is a loaded question. Yeah, this is loaded. Kim, you know, uh, professionally and personally, you know, we, we kind of align our philosophies, you know, between Charlotte, Mecklenburg and Palm Beach County School District. Uh -huh. You know, we, we, we want to see appropriate practices way more than we see inappropriate activities and, and stuff. But, you know, the use, the use of social media has helped teachers keep that fire and engagement, you know, uh, throughout the school year, which is definitely a benefit because, you know, even a district like us, when we have professional development, it's like every other month or every two months. So maybe they get really five great opportunities. Plus we're, you know, our team here at district is on social media all the time presenting resources, but other teachers, you know, stay on and they see, they see things, they see things, they see activities, they look fun and they go back and try them, but they don't realize the, the inherent risks that when a student gets injured or if a, if a parent complains, um, that could potentially take place down the road. So yeah, when I see things online, I try to be reserved. I try to give a, a professional, a judgmental opinion. I try to say, hey, is it in policy or is it not in policy? You know, uh -huh. uh, wellness policies are federally, federally mandated. You know, in Florida, we have to repeat policy in every school district, not across the board nationally. So you know, you want to get as many things in your wellness policy that relates to the you know the WISC model, the ten components in there, and physical activity and physical education. Physical education, I'm going to say it again, is one of the main 10 components in WISC. Um, so I kind of refer people back to to that as best as I can. But if they don't have a coordinator, they don't have somebody they can lean on, you know, um, they're fragmented in their district, maybe a few schools, you know, some of the inappropriate practices are highlighted more than appropriate practices. And there is some great resources, and I love how our profession united and came together to share out some of the things that they've created for hybrid and remote learning, right? So I love that part, I love it. And there's actually, there's more quality PE out there than the bad PE. I, I, I can say that in my own school district for sure. And, and with you, I've been at your school district, you were very similar, like you said. You've got some great stuff going on. We share a lot of the same things, even when we did that HPE at home marathon last year. And then you were doing the CrossFit, like you guys did so awesome, but or the TriFit. But um, just like the National Health Standards State, we are trying to teach kids to really look at, is this a credible resource? Is it a factual resource when they're, let's say, looking at a document or information, right? And especially now, you know, there's so much stuff actually, you know, with the pandemic, what is real and what is a myth? What is the truth? What's reality? What's good? What's bad? So, you know, one of the things I just want our listeners to hear from everyone here is just be good stewards of information. Really look behind who is writing the post. Really look behind on some of those comments because there's a lot of people that especially one of the largest Facebook groups is PE Central. There's great stuff on there, but look behind some of the comments that people make who are not licensed PE teachers, who 
also lack the experience and the education that we have had. They might be a brand new who was just a substitute put in there. So you gotta look at who you're following and who you're listening to, just as we would tell our health students. So, so I just Eric, really wanna have that dialogue between us. Eric, how often do your kids get PE? So uh, Florida statute is 150 minutes of physical education per week. That's Florida statute. It also says that uh, anybody with a certification could teach physical education, unfortunately. Um, so generally in Palm Beach County, students get physical education by a certified physical education teacher, generally either 30 to 60 minutes per week. So it's pretty much uh, two out of five days um, that the state would mandate. The remaining time does fall on the classroom teacher to do a 30 minute block of physical education instruction. So I'm going to um, kind of mold this question a little bit around some of that answer is, is you know, one to you, what does a, a quality health and PE program look like? And if you have somebody who doesn't necessarily have a health and PE background, right? Because you said anybody down there that's got a, a license can teach PE. What, um, what things do you do to help support coach or offer assistance to those people who have a faltering program or, you know, because Andrew and I have often, and, and Kim, we've often been called to go out and help teachers in our district, but oftentimes we don't know when a program is faltering. So what are some things that you do and what does a good program look like to you? Yeah, so really good questions, Keith. And I'll, uh, I'm going to start with the latter part first. Um, you know, we have some really amazing physical education non-certified teachers out there that have really embraced the physical education content. Uh, they're just great educators, you know, have really looked at the standards, benchmarks, the course descriptions, the actual assessments, the educational tools, the resources we have, the lessons we have, and embraced it and worked hard. And have asked, like, how do I use this piece of equipment? Can you come out and model? And we've done that very successfully. So we've had some amazing non-certified teachers that, that have really led in, in Palm Beach County. Um, also when there's a vacancy for physical education at the levels, you know, I, I do send emails to the principals. How can I help? Can I give you questions for the interview process? Can I be involved? Can I review resumes? Here's some resumes that come across my desk. So I'm very proactive when there's a vacancy available. Um, so they could try to find a certified PE teacher to take that role. But sometimes, you know, at the elementary school, they put somebody in it. that might've been excess. That might be uh, somebody, a really good educator. So we work with them as best we can. Uh, and we'll work with all teachers. But when it gets back to quality, right, what do you look for? It's the same thing when a kid walks into a classroom, right? I want them to be wowed. I want their eyes to open. I want to see equipment out there. I want to see vis visible and visual colors. I want to see print-rich material on the walls or, or on, a, on a bulletin board. I want to see cones as, as markers to outline the boundaries. You know, I want to see a wide variety of equipment. Even if all that equipment is not going to get used that day, I want kids to go, wow, what is that? What does that look like? What can I be actually playing on? You want kids to enter in all levels, elementary, middle, and high school, and go, wow, what are we doing today in PE? I can't wait. So, you know, uh, the learning environment of a quality physical education ha has enough equipment out, you know, for everybody to use, has stations, has colors, has printed materials, you know, has a dry erase board with, with the lesson objective of the day. Uh, so it uh, does type of assessments, uh, you know, check for learning throughout the lesson and then does exit questions towards the end. Like those are quality programs that we want to see just like we see in classroom environments. So would you say that it's good to keep kids curious? 
right? So absolutely, keeping them curious is going to spark that those questions. It's going to spark that engagement, and they can't wait till for the next activity. Absolutely. Yeah, or the next time they come back to PE, right? Like it might be tomorrow, the next day. Like what's going to be next? Like always keep that curiosity. Point, yeah. I love the novelty, um, but you know, quality teachers too have those consistent routines as well. So that honestly, a substitute can walk in there and kids will respond on how they enter, exit. Those consistent routines are so important too. But you're right, having just shiny, cool equipment to look at, like you could have a square bean bag, but you could have one of those froggy bean bags. Those are two different types of equipment, even though it's a bean bag. <laughs> and Keith's favorite, the rubber chicken. <laughs> oh my God. But Eric, you know, one, of things, one of the things that I, that I think is important, and you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of build off what you said, and, and Kim and Andrew will probably agree with this, is you walk into an elementary school, especially, right? If the PE teacher isn't the rock star of that school, because I don't know that if you walk down a hallway with a PE teacher, they're not getting high fives and hugs from almost every kid because you make a connection with those kids. And if you're not, it's kind of like, ooh, what's going on here that they don't like you for some reason, all right? Are you not making connections or are you not doing something to make what we do fun? You know, uh, I've had principals that have transferred buildings to go to open a new school or go to elementary middle school, school and and I've had about five principals request their PE teachers to come with them, you know, which is amazing to me because that just shows they are that rock star. They get to know every student in the building. They get to know the families. They're out in the car line in the morning waving and greeting parents. They're on the dismissal line at the end of the day getting involved. You know, have those interactive bulletin boards in a hallway or in a PE learning environment. Coming through lunch duty like the cafeteria you said every single day just to see the kids that build that rapport and relationships. Yeah, you're right. They should be the rock star. You're right. Well, and even then, how important to you is it that they do some form of assessment? Because I've been in a school where a teacher was so consumed with the assessment that the learning, it was crazy. It was like, you're, you're stuffed in this iPad assessing kids and not teaching the kids and helping them out. I'll say it in three words, tracking student performance. That is the way they should be assessing kids so they can set goals for kids. Hey, your muscle strength level is this. Here's where I need you to be later in the year. And they track it, right? Not, not worrying about are they dressed appropriately? Are they, you know, participating the way, you know, keeping those, those personal profiles, uh, portfolios and students, tracking their progress, giving them consistent and concise feedback, giving them ways to improve, and then grading on that throughout the year. Absolutely. Thank you. So, Eric, in your opinion, do you think providing more resources, more equipment, more lessons, more curriculum will ensure a quality health and PE program? Gosh, Andrew, this is such, such a tough question because under the pandemic, we've been we've been charged to put as many resources up uh, up in our district curriculum portal for for all classroom teachers that help with physical education, for all physical and health education teachers. We have so much content and material right now in our curriculum portal that it might be tough to navigate, you know, in some way. 
Uh, we have daily, we have scope and sequences by week. We have daily lessons. We actually break down every lesson of the component with times on how you, a task you should spend there with types of question, with assessments and feedback. Oh, and then the resources are linked there. It's just so much. So our teachers have the tools, the resources, the educational platform. Um, but maybe, you know, it, it needs to be pared down a little bit as we move forward, as we're coming out of the pandemic. Um, but it was a kind of a charge. I think it was a charge across the district, you know, across the nation. And, and Kim, you know, we've been able to share resources over time with the pandemic. And we've been able to share resources with other school districts around the country to help them as well that aren't as fortunate, fortunate as you and I are, that we have teams at the district level. So, um, Andrew, um, I'd say right now we're probably inundated with a lot of resources. I would agree. Yeah. I think one of our district leaders said it really well one time, um, made the comment, we are resource rich, but process weak. At one time, and it really made me reflect, resource you know, rich, but process weak. But a lot of times our districts, they will want to spend money to say, yes, we address the issue. By spending money, it means that we're taking care of a situation when just because you're providing a canned curriculum or you're providing, you know, something that costs millions of dollars doesn't mean it's going to fix it, though. So you and I, I think we both had conversations, you know, the number one factor is that quality teacher. That's going to make the difference. Yeah. Kim, the only thing I'll add to that is that we've been able to leverage our community resources and partnerships a little different during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, um, especially when it comes to water safety, uh, you know, we, we usually do like these large assembly programs in schools, but our Drown and Prevention Coalition and our Water Smart Partners in Palm Beach County have really stepped up and, and done digital platforms and digital workshops for our schools. We've done a lot of car safety around around students with heat and cars and, mm. and if your car is going to canals. And we've done a lot of swimming resources as well with our kids. So we've really leveraged our community partners differently through the pandemic to provide those video links and video um, short snip, uh, snippets into our classrooms mm -hmm. and our students uh, this year. So those resources are, are never inundated. Like I think those are so valuable, those sure. outside of PE lessons that we can really teach. So. Wow, I never even thought about the um more your situation in Palm Beach County Schools, you're surrounded by water. So that's a great need for your kids to know water safety. And then you're also with the heat with about, you know, making sure that people are not being trapped accidentally inside of a car in you know, the hot heat. It's, it's funny how some of the different um, issues that we all face across the, you know, the globe, because it's unique to your situation, to your geographic location. So, but awesome. Okay. Well, Keith and Andrew, you ready for quick bites? Or do well, you let me ask one follow-up really quick. So sure. Eric, with the partnerships you have, your local partners, can you just, I'm going to take you back to my first question. Can you kind of explain the importance of having legal and vetting out community partnerships and coming up with an MOU? Because I think what also gets lost sometimes is our PE teachers, just somebody contacts them without coming through us. And then they have somebody out there that shouldn't be there. And that, that could become a major issue if they're not properly vetted one and legal doesn't have something to do with it. That's a great question. 
Yeah. So MOUs are a little different than district partnerships. We have a district business partnership program here where they can go in and fill out an application. And I can become the sponsor of it. Um, and it's really, we use them to enhance our content and curriculum. You know, they support physical education. They understand the mission and vision of what we're behind. They understand that if they get in front of physical education teachers, it's to help students succeed, provide information that maybe our physical education teachers aren't as knowledgeable in. And it's a resource. Um, but they, you know, they come to our professional developments. We don't charge for tables. We give them opportunities to speak, but all has to align. Like we approve the content, we go through and we sit down. Um, it's in our wellness policy as well with what they do. It's on our professional development calendar and schedule when we bring them. One of my goals this year is to help to improve, you know, the access for community partners, like my own personal district goal as well. Um, and we've been doing that through our digital platforms this year. Um, but Keith, you know, it, it's got to align to what your district, you know, your strategic plan, the mission and vision you have for your physical education, health education teachers. That's that's huge. It really is huge. And and honestly, there's such inherent benefits that come out. Like, you know, if there's a moment where our school board needs to talk about the value of physical education and health or it's a community topic, these partnerships come up and tell you and say, let me tell you about the successes we've had through physical education programs in Palm Beach County. And if it wasn't for the physical education teachers, you know, we wouldn't be able to accomplish as much as we've done as far as water safety and other kind of initiatives. So it goes both ways, uh, but it's got to be, like you said, vetted and approved and, and aligned as well. That's perfect. That's what that's what we do, too, because those who are listening, the reason why we vet and approve it, because there are sometimes not all, but there are some partners that have their own agenda to push. You know, like I had a, a vegan group that wanted to do a whole presentation in nutrition, but they're really pushing the vegan like eating habits. And it's you we can't do that. We can't push an agenda or a community uh, organizations agenda. It has to be one. Again, did we say this before? Standards aligned. <laughs> Does it align to our standards? That's the first thing that we say. Always, always, always. So yeah, it's that's my favorite really phrase. Mm -hmm. My and favorite MOUs, phrase. <laughs> MOUs for those who are listening, it, it stands for Memorandum of Understanding. So it's just a, it's more of a legal type document that is where the organization signs off with their responsibilities. Our association, our school district will sign off on the responsibilities. And it just makes everything just so clear. So it doesn't get foggy and messy when they just go out to a school. They know exactly what they can expect from us and we expect from them. So that was a great question to bring up you guys. So I'm glad that the, our listeners can hear that because it, it is a it is a meticulous process though, but once it's done, it's done. It's good. So Yeah, just to add just to add Keith, um, you know, like like you at Charlotte Mecklenburg, if there's a new presentation that's going to one of our schools, you know, one of my either myself or one of my team members will go there and make sure we're there to introduce them uh, and to watch it, you know, and to make sure everything is done appropriately as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's ready for quick lights. I am. Let's do it. All right. This is the fun part of the show where it's just random questions. Let's get ready for quick bites. All right. So uh, if you've been listening to our podcast, which I know you have, this is the part of the show where we, Andrew and I are going to ask you some questions that Kim has never heard. So her reaction to this is just as priceless as yours. Um, answer in as few words as possible if you can, and we could always elaborate later. Are you ready? Let's, let's do it. Awesome. All right. 
Favorite lunch meat? Uh, uh, honey maple turkey. <laughs> right. and, and knowing you're a big baseball guy, DH or no DH? Oh, DH all the way. Chicken parm or eggplant parm? Uh, anything with parm, but I'll go chicken. <laughs> What's your favorite punctuation mark? Oh, my God. I guess it's just the exclamation point. Why? Oh, stop. <laughs> it's a quick like, bite. He's doesn't know why. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, if you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Uh, javelin. I, I'd love to throw a javelin. Not wrestling, Stern? Not wrestling, buddy? No. I, okay. I do like watching wrestling, but yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. Okay, Stern, ready? Preferred cologne, Dracar or Cool Water? Oh, my God. I grew up on Dracar. I went through high school and college. How did you know that? I used to wear it, too. <laughs> oh, okay, Eric, on a, scale of, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at wiffle ball? 10 being the best. 10. 10. It's happening. We're going to have a wiffle ball tournament the next time we see each other. Mm -hmm. You know who else would want to do it with us? Kurt Hinson. Of course you of course. would. <laughs> um, so I know you're, you're in charge of driver's ed, too. Now, have you ever had to be in the car? and be part of driver's ed? Yeah, I've sat, in the back seat and watched, I've sat in the backseat and watched some students uh, drive. Never mm -hmm. All right, well then, so have you ever had your, yourself or someone else that's teaching the class had to use the passenger, passenger brake during one of the classes? Well, it, it happens every day, absolutely. Do you have any funny stories with that? Um, you know, it's, it's good to know your legal department. I'll go back to your legal department. It's good to make friends with your legal team. Wow. All right. So here's the last one for you. I got one more too, Keith. If you're done. Oh, okay, good. This, my last one. This one's way out of the blue and I wish you luck with this. Can you name the Spice Girls? Um, posh, scary, sporty. Is there a baby? Pretty baby. <laughs> is there a baby? No. Yes, there is baby. Oh, wow. You're, you're good. Did we get them all? Missed one ginger. Oh, okay. Scary, sporty, baby, ginger, and posh. I see that you had to write that down too. So you obviously looked it up, Keith. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I had it all right. It's on the playlist. <laughs> you know that. Uh, <laughs> right? Now this is an, not meant to be serious, but I really want you to think about this one. This is the last question. How different was your life one year ago? Oh, oh well, you know, um, everything's changed. I mean, just spending time with family and friends is probably you know, two of the most important things in my life. That has changed tremendously. Um, not be able to hug people. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a handshake kind of guy. Love to give handshakes. Um, so it's changed, it's changed, you know, tremendously, um, not attending state conferences, national conferences, seeing friends from all over the country, um, has been, is difficult, difficult, you know, not visiting my daughters at, on campus as much as I did in the past, you know, college is, is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's changed a lot. 
it's changed a lot. So I'm looking forward to getting back to some of the old things. You know, I'm, uh, I still want to reach out and put my hand out when I see somebody. You know, I want to give a hug. Those things uh, are just innate for me to do, but difficult these days. So a lot has changed, you know, you know in that sense for me. Mm. Eric, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you obviously mean a lot to us where our districts are very similar. And, you know, I sh share this in the very beginning, but to our listeners and viewers, you know, the relationship, relationship that you and I started all began on that urban wellness coalition when you really behind the scenes was like, let's get CMS, let's get CMS, let's get Charlotte McMurray schools there. And at the time, I didn't realize the hand you were, you know, reaching out to me. And now I do. And I never knew that I had you looking after me before I even got to know you like I do now. And we share a lot of the same philosophies. That's why we've had, you know, several meals together and talking to one another. And, you know, my favorite thing about you is I can have real talk with you. If that makes any sense, you're, you're, you don't have an ego. You don't have like, you know, well, let me share this with you because I created this or I did this, or you, you never push anything on me. Um, it's always been real talk and we've been really honest with our challenges and our successes. It's not perfect. And we just keep trying and we keep, you know, moving forward for that quality health and PE and physical activity. So thank you so much for your friendship. You mean, you mean a lot to us, me personally, and well, I want to speak for Keith and Andrew, but you mean a lot to me. Me too. No, well, well I'll, yeah. be, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. The, the first time I met you three, you know, I knew there's something special there. Uh, you know, you know, when people care, right. You know, when people mm -hmm. care about the profession, care about quality physical education, care about students succeeding and getting a good education in school, care about physical literacy. You know, you can, you know, the benefit that if these kids in elementary middle high school have great experiences in physical education, they're going to be our state leaders. They're going to be in our local legislators. They're going to be policy decision makers down the road. Like these are our advocates, the more and the more advocates we can develop, the stronger our profession will be down the road. So you, you three get it. So I, I love reaching out and helping you. And, mm -hmm. and Kim, you know, as far as I know this with you and your team as well, we'll help anybody. If there's an administrator out there, you know, please email us. I've helped teachers all over the country, all over the world. I've helped teachers in Florida become better educators. You know, I don't know who they are, but if they ask a simple question, we'll give them help and resources as needed. So we, we just want to see the, our profession have more quality and really, really educate our kids the way they need to be educated. So I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. Absolutely. So thank you. You boys have anything? I can say, you know, the first time we met was actually in Seattle and you know what that was at. Um, and that was an amazing event, uh, but we did get to know each other more through the coalition. Uh, but I think what's best about the relationships we make in this business are with the people that we can talk shop with, but then talk trash with later about baseball, especially because you know that's that's the best part. You know, is we've all of us have become I think a really good friend of yours, and you have become a great friend of ours, and you know we're the kind of people that look out for each other no matter what. And it's, it was great to have you when you uh, came to Charlotte and, you know, take you to the schools and show off some of the cool stuff, just like you did when we were down there. Um, I just hope your Yankees have a terrible year. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That's the only bad thing I'm going to say. I, you know, even though they keep trying to buy a championship like the Dodgers. Um, and good luck no when they the A's play them. Yeah. Like we, you always have to have a little dig, a, a little dig Kramer. 
if that uh, wasn't you know, part of my friendship with everybody, then <laughs> I will say, yeah, no. like in all seriousness, uh, we, you know, how we feel about you, what you do, how, you know, just everything you encompass, we're on the same, same wavelength. And we kind of feel like kindred spirits, you know, when it comes to what you guys do and what we do. And um, we're just, we're very proud to, to know you and to, to have you be part of what we do on a daily basis. And again, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. And I know I want to be uh, of your time. So, okay. Is any, anything else you guys have to say before we say goodbye to Eric? Okay. Yeah. All right, Eric. I'm going to put you back off stage. Thank you so much. Bye, Eric. See you. Thank you. Whoo, boys. Men. 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 You're right. Boys. Yes. Um, he's my Some. favorite. Well, he's one of my favorite, favorite all time, personally, person, and you know, as a friend and somebody in the in our profession. And I, I, I'm just going to, I guess, my aha moment when talking to him, I just continue to love the real talk that we share. And, you know, I can have, you know, we, I could talk for hours with Eric about, you know, inappropriate and appropriate PE practices and just making sure that everything is standards aligned, standards aligned for that physical literacy, health literacy. So... Um, a lot of the same successes and challenges that Palm Beach County Schools has with Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. Our school districts are very similar in size and so forth. So how he, you know, attacks working with principals too to build those quality programs is so important. And you know, the conversation I had with him about how does one become a coordinator in central office, you know, it does take. Again, you know, he said that he said he's got his master's degree, educational leadership. You know, it does take first become, you know, a rock star in your school, <laughs> grow your learning. A lot of times people say, oh, why do I need to get my master's degree? Why do I? That won't help me. I learned so much with my master's degree and my doctoral degree. When people say that, oh, those degrees don't matter. They do. <laughs> you learn about school operations, you learn about human resources, you learn about fiscal management. Those are all things that are very important for these roles. So um, those are my ahas. What you got, Keith? So if, first of all, I want to start by saying this. Now you're starting to sound like a band that goes from town to town. You're our favorite guest. You're our favorite city. Yes. You say that after every every little thing we have. No, it's hilarious. Thank you, Cleveland. You're the best. Tomorrow. Thank you, Buffalo. You guys are the best fans on tour so far. Right. We're just lucky, you guys. The three of us know how lucky we are to be surrounded by some great, great people in our profession. 100%. 100%. So I'm just grateful. Absolutely. Now, aha, uh -huh. you know, we, every time we talk to Eric, we do learn something new and, and some new strategies. And the fact that that was not something that ever really came to my mind was bringing the legal team out to talk to your teachers. That is huge. And I think we need to do that. And I know we'll do that going forward if we can, as long as they're available. We've done that with our grants department and have had great success with that because we have a great grants department. But bringing legal so that they can actually hear, you know, the do's and don'ts from that side would be even more important because as a PE teacher, I think I would have loved to have heard that. It would help me understand the things and maybe change some of the things I do in the classroom. So I don't have to be involved with legal, you know? So I, that, that, that's a great aha right there. 
So for me, it's kind of piggybacking off what Kim said earlier, but um, knowing and understanding what a standard aligned activity looks like, you know, like what Eric was saying, like on social media, there's stuff out there, you know, all over the place. But what you're looking at, do you know if it's quality and it's standard aligned type stuff that, that you want to teach your students? And then the other thing, too, is, you know, we talk about this all the time as well. Like when a student walks into a gym, you want them to be wowed by the experience, by by what they see. Right. Because it is an experience for these kids. It's something it should be something that's totally unique, something different, something that's going to grab their attention from the moment they walk in, not only with the resources, but then with how you're presenting the material. You know, so all that makes makes a huge difference. I agree. The music that you play, how you capture your voice and how you say things, you know, how you get down on their level, all those theatrics make such a big difference of equality and how you deliver that instruction to engage those students. And this is why Keith and Andrew, you and the three of us, when our schools first opened, our gymnasiums were closed. They were not allowed to go to the gym. And we constantly said for an elementary student to walk by an empty gymnasium while wearing a mask, while social distancing, while be behind a computer and to be sitting in rows in their classroom. You know, we, we had to go back to traditional 1950 practices in the classroom with desks in rows because of the pandemic. I can't wait for group, you know, desks to be together again. But to walk by an empty gymnasium, that's like walking by an amusement park saying, sorry, you can't go in there. And this is why we advocated so hard to use those gymnasiums again. And, and thankfully they're open. Um, but that is like, if our kids only have PE once a week in elementary and to not give you your all for those kids that get you once a week. I mean, they deserve it. It could be the best, best, you know, day of their week. They should be waking up and saying, yes, I've got PE today. Well, you think about this, right? I mean, if you're a great PE teacher and those kids want to be in your classroom, right, that brightens their day. But at the same point, we can't forget that teachers are going through a tough time right now. Yes. And some of those kids brighten your day just as quick because you think of the connections you made with kids. And I can think of so many kids that as mad as I could be at something or having a bad day, they would come in and just talk to you or you'd hear some funny clip because kindergartners say some of the funniest things oh. and, and you can, and sometimes you have to cover yourself and go into the office because you know that what they said probably wasn't you know, appropriate, but it was hilarious because it's coming out of a six year old's mouth. You're like, this is why I do this job. This is hilarious. I need them as much as they need me. Yeah. Kids are funny. Well, men, boys, I'm out of I'm out of pizza. So um, next week we have another great guest, uh, Ron Malm. I think we have for next week, guys. We do. Are you going to tell him that he's your favorite at the end? At Every the end? I know. I I'm so okay. I'm, I'm so lucky to have so many great friends. But honestly, this pizza and PE podcast. What I love how it's evolving is we have different guests and we have a diverse group of people with different viewpoints and how physical education, health education, and physical activity impacts their school or school districts. So um, that's our goal. Just a group of friends discussing PE and eating pizza. 
That's my favorite. Other favorite part is the fact that I'm plowing through pizza as we do this. I, we're guaranteed to have pizza at least once a week. <laughs> All right. Slice you later. Yeah.